Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Zubin Bate, who is the co-founder and CEO of Fuzzy Pet Health, which you can find at yourfuzzy.com. And Zubin's working to make healthcare for pets more accessible, dogs, cats of all ages, so they can benefit. And, and Fuzzy is a subscription-based pet health company really trying to make veterinary care more accessible for all. They're doing a lot of great work in this space. The company has raised a Series A at this point of the recording, and they've done a tremendous amount in the last four years or so to really help out pets. So excited for you listening to this episode. We dive into how this got started, how he's grown it over time, and so much more. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. And finally, the weekly grind, my weekly newsletter with tips, tools, and strategies for growing a business, different companies I find that are cool in there as well, different side hustle ideas, that and much, much more at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here is Zubin Bate, the co-founder and CEO of Fuzzy. Zubin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Justin. Yes, great to have you on. And I obviously love what you're doing with, with Fuzzy. And there's so much to talk about with that and just your experience in, in the startup world as well. And, and with Fuzzy, with Fuzzy Pet Health, how did this company get started in the first place? Uh, serendipity, really. I, I hadn't set out to start a pet health company by any means, but uh, I had left my last role as uh, VP of sales at a marketing software startup uh, where I was traveling a ton. I think I was getting on about 200 flights a year um, at the time for about two years. And some of those, a lot of those were international flights because I had teams in Amsterdam and Hong Kong. Um, and so I really came out of that with a clear thought of if I'm going to work that hard at something, I want it to be something that I cared deeply about. Um, so I took some time out after that. And um, one of the experiences that I had while I was taking some time out was I ended up having to rush my dog into an emergency vet clinic. And for anyone that's gone through that experience, it's a highly emotive, very stressful um, and anxious moment. Um, and kind of as I was going through this experience, I realized that the veteran experience was just wrought with friction. It was a really bad user experience. And at the same time, I ended up coming out of that experience with a $2,500 bill. That, uh, that, that I just, it just gave me this feeling that there was something to be able to be done here to um, better serve other people out there that I was sure had that same problem and experience. With that, then having that problem, and I'm sure other people have gone through that, what was it? Are you, were you already kind of in a place of, you, you know, you're looking for something you said, you mentioned you want to do something for yourself, but did you know like this was going to be the idea as soon as you had that problem or did it take more time of thinking through things before you ended up, end up going with this? Yeah, it definitely took a little bit of time. Uh, there was time digging into the problem, digging into the industry, speaking to other people that were pet parents. Um, I, I I had long conversations with my, my now co-founder, Eric, where I was trying to understand whether this was just me not understanding the way the system kind of operated over here. Having grown up in South Africa and the UK, um, it, it felt very different. And I've grown up with pets all my life. But um, after speaking with him, He'd had similar experiences where he paid five thousand dollars for um, healthcare for his for his cat, and um, we we then the more it was one of those things where the more we dug into the industry, the more we were just totally flummoxed by <laughs> like 
how, how do people actually do this? Um, and, and why is the industry set up in this way? And it was just one of those things that was that initially came with a bunch of confusion. That confusion led to a hell of a lot of excitement. And then that led to, oh, this is something that there's absolutely no way we cannot do this and we cannot work to address this problem. Um, and kind of the thing that really got us there was there are uh, $200 million dogs and cats in this country. More than 110 million do not have a veterinarian. And, and the majority of that is because of logistical challenges getting to a vet clinic um, and the cost of going to a veterinary clinic. And then, as I mentioned, it's just not a great experience. So it's not something that kind of fills you with joy. And uh, ultimately, we, we have pets um, because they give us companionship, because they give us joy, and because this, there's some purpose to it. Um, and this kind of really rudimentary component of caring for them is just wrought with pain and friction. So understanding that, understanding this problem and the, so many pets within the United States as well, then what was that initial version of Fuzzy that you were building or you wanted to build when you understood that you had this problem and there's this huge need? Like, What was that first version you got out to people? Yeah, it's a great question because we've suddenly gone through uh, some changes over the years. We started the business four years ago. And uh, from, from day one, at the outset, uh, our mission was clear. And our mission was, we want to aid the longevity of pets through greater access to care. Uh, so we believe that we can double the lifespan of dogs and cats, for instance. Um, but the only way we do that is through better access to care, better access to information and products. So actually, we were fairly naive in the <laughs> earliest days, right? First time, first time founders were like, yeah, we can, we can boil the ocean and take over the world. So we started off uh, trying to build both a pet health and a pet insurance company. Um, the healthcare component was membership-based in-home veterinary care. So our members would pay us $50 a month, and for that, we'd send veterinary teams out to people's homes to deliver the essential basic care that your pet needs. So think basic checkups, core vaccines, basic blood and fecal tests. Um, and then next to that, we also were looking to uh, build a pet insurance company. Uh, and in the very earliest days of Fuzzy, that was the first iteration. We then realized, um, as many investors and many other um, experienced entrepreneurs and mentors told us, that we just got to focus. Like you got to you got to pick one thing and do it better than anyone else. Uh, and we we really lent in on uh, the healthcare component because we believed. Back to the the initial problem statement. There's this universe of uh, pets uh, and like I said, more than 50% of them don't have access to a veterinarian or a primary vet. And uh, we wanted to address for that. Now, our belief is once we address for that, we'd then be able to kind of add to that uh, because that's the single biggest pain point that every pet parent has. So um, it has evolved since then. Uh, we, we've we realized that um, there are more scalable ways to be able to ensure that every pet parent does have a primary veterinarian. And right now, we're really focused on delivering that through digital care and telehealth. Um, and that was something that we had, had been delivering for more than two years. But uh, obviously, in times in COVID times, the, the kind of environment that we're in today has obviously seen a huge surge in demand. Yeah, and I'm going to definitely ask more around the beginning and starting and funding and everything with that. But while we're on that topic of, of COVID, like taking through the business today, like during COVID, we're recording this in, in August of 2020. How has that affected Fuzzy? Was, what does Fuzzy look like at this point? Yeah, so uh, our business uh, today is 
telehealth driven. So essentially, we believe that every pet parent can have access to an expert veterinarian or their team of expert veterinarians. Uh, and so our business model today is two membership offerings, one membership, which is strictly standalone telehealth which gives you access to a team of expert veterinary professionals, as well as a set of digital tools um, and tracking tools and electronic medical, electronic medical records um, through our app. The second essentially is taking that telehealth experience and using the data that we capture from the health interactions, from digital health consultations, and then matching a pet with the perfect medications, supplements, and products to essentially set them up for a longer life. So what we've learned is that there's this huge wave of uh, humanization of pets. So most pet parents now see pets as part of the family. The kind of phrase pet parents <laughs> speaks for itself. Yep. Whereas if you look back 10 or 20 years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. I, I grew up in South Africa and, and when I grew up, we had uh, dogs and their do our dogs were, um, were outside in the garden yeah. and they had their own kind of dog kennel um, and, and they were outdoor dogs. They weren't allowed in the house. Um, now I look at my dog and she has her own bed, the foot of our bed. And <laughs> she's kind of, she's definitely more of an indoor dog than an outdoor dog. So I think that has led to a shift in consumer behaviors. What we've also learned from that is that every pet parent wants to do the best for their pet. Uh, but at the same time, they don't know what that is. So most people that even do go to a veterinarian, they're only seeing a veterinarian once a year. And so they have limited access to information, advice, guidance on how best to care for their pets. And we want to be that, that pet parent companion through every step of the pet's journey. Can you take us through a little bit more of like how that works once someone signs up? Like what's the use case? How are they end up using, using Fuzzy? I'm just curious on that just for context for people as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the first step would be someone coming in either through our app or our website. They'd go through an onboarding process where they'd tell us uh, through a uh, through a bunch of responses to a quiz or some questions um, about their pet, about their pet's lifestyle, their age, their breed, um, and any medical history. Our tool will actually also capture all of their pet's medical history automatically. So if you created a profile for your pet and told our uh, our platform what veterinary clinics you've previously taken your pet to, automatically our uh, platform would go out there and call those medical records and upload those into our app for you to have them in one central place. But we're also then using that data to essentially make recommendations on, uh, on the best medications, supplements, and products and services that would fit your pet's specific needs. So it is really creating a tailored health plan and program designed to double the lifespan of every pet. And this is all, of course, four plus years after having that initial idea and starting to build the company. So just going back for a second, when you understand this problem, you've done this customer research, this customer discovery to understand, it's, okay, it's, it's not just you that has this problem with, with pet care and healthcare for pets. And at that point then, your first, your, your seed round uh, of funding, how did that come about? How, how was that process for you then, Zubian? Uh, candidly, it was long, <laughs> um, and 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 we spoke to we spoke to more than a hundred investors that I've seen around, um, and I think that we we got a lot of great feedback. Uh, as I mentioned, some of the learnings that we eventually um, took on board were we were trying to boil the ocean. We really needed to hone in on what the core product offering was, um, but we were fortunate in being able to get. Um, 
Charles Hudson from Precursor Ventures, um, Accelerate Ventures, SV Angel, uh, and, and some angel investors that had invested in my previous company that really believed in the team and myself and Eric and our ability to be able to kind of get to a point of having that magical formula to address the pain point that exists out there. And so our seed round um, was, like I said, it was a long process, but it really got us to get out to market. It got us to validate that there was demand out there. Um, and then once we validated that, the, the good thing for our business is that we've been revenue generating from day one. Uh, and through that and through listening to our customers, we really were constantly able to learn uh, and then iterate. And so uh, that that iteration has suddenly served us well as we've gone through the process. And um, we're, we're now in a strong place for it. To that point of iterating, like, what's that customer feedback? I mean, at that time, especially like early on after the seed round, for instance, how are you getting feedback from from your customers at that point? And like, how are you uh, prioritizing what you want to do with that? Because there's often conflicting feedback and there's there's different things to look at. Like, how are you doing that at that time then, Zubin? Yeah, in the earliest days, um, honestly, my myself and my co-founder had printed out a bunch of flyers, uh, and we'd walk through um, we'd walk through places in San Francisco. We'd walk through dog parks. We'd go to the beach, um, and we'd speak to every pet parent that we could find. Now, it's easy to talk to to find dog parents, right? They're walking the dogs around, and right? Like we would do this at. We we realized uh, that the prime time for dog walking was five a.m to 8 a.m. in the morning, and then 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. in the evening. And so we would be roaming the streets of San Francisco <laughs> in those time brackets with flyers in hand and, and obviously our dogs with us so that we didn't seem too creepy to people. Um, but we, we'd we have direct conversations. Where, did you, where do you take your pet to the vet? Um, is your pet insured? What are the biggest pain points that you have? What do you feed your dog? Um, and then actually, if we follow on from that, the earliest people that signed up for us, uh, while we had veterinarians, um, when we were delivering that uh, that in-home care experience, Eric and myself would actually act as the veterinary assistants that would accompany the veterinarians along um, for those visits. So we'd be able to get a ton of data, a ton of um, conversations, uh, and and we'd use that input to kind of refine, rethink how we were operating and what we were doing. Um, and then really that contributed to how we iterated the business model. I love it. Love the hustle. It reminds me of uh, Cole Zucker, who was on the podcast, who started off selling uh, light bulbs for his company, Green Creative, door to door in San Francisco. Literally just going to, waiting out early before the whatever warehouse manager would get there, start talking and start selling door to door for the first year, which is just like, that's sometimes the hustle it takes to get this type of thing off the ground. And one thing to go back to, especially for people who, are maybe raising their, their first kind of institutional round of funding as well. You mentioned it was a long process. How long was this process? Uh, I'm just curious on like what, what that was. Uh, I mean, honestly, from, from start to finish, it was nine months. Um, from, and that included the time that we spent speaking to uh, some of the earliest investors, like the angel investors that uh, we had known that we'd already had relationships with um, who, had, uh, who were willing to write a check and, and take a bet on us in the earliest days when we, we, we had a concept, we had an idea, we had a deck, but we, we weren't really out to market with a product. Um, but, uh, but from start to, to finish, when we closed our, and we actually rose, rose, uh, raised the pre-seed round, that was nine months. Ah, okay. So nine months with that. And then progressing through, like a lot of companies, 
I mean, it's a lot to get to a Series A. So first off, for people for context, I mean, a small percentage of companies will even get venture capital. And then obviously, as you move forward, there's smaller, smaller, the number of companies you, you got to a Series A, like take me, was there, what was the difference at that point from the Series A from those, those early funding rounds, like the, the seed round, for instance, like how, how did that go through then, Zuby? Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. As you progress and as the business um, matures, you're essentially being evaluated with a different set of criteria. And so in the earliest days, it's suddenly a lot of vision. Um, and so the investors are essentially taking a bet on you as a team, um, as well as the vision that you have. Um, but as you continue to mature, there's more data that you have in your business that folks then get to evaluate your business on. Uh, as we went into our seed round, we went through a fair amount of diligence. We were in a business that essentially um, many investors weren't looking at too favorably, right? Because we essentially, rather than being a software business, um, and, and software businesses typically are able to scale faster, but also have higher margins. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that later because that contributes to kind of the iteration that we did um, further down the line. Um, but at the same time, we were also moving people from point A to point B, like humans, actual veterinarians <laughs> going from home to home delivering care. Right. And so what that meant is that there's a lot more complexity uh, as well as there's a lot more capital needed and the it's a lot more margin sensitive. And so we were evaluated very kind of um, critically um, as it relates to that. But that then meant that as we continue to build a business, we had we always had that in mind. And so we then incorporated that discipline into how we operated, um, how we made decisions, how we thought about um, delivering service and how we could continue to, to kind of unlock different levers for um, greater growth and greater profitability, um, because that essentially would allow us to scale. And again, bring it back to the mission, uh, how we were positioning ourselves to double the lifespan of pets yep. through greater access to care. And, and, and that greater access to care was critical to us from day one um, because we, we, weren't trying to, we weren't trying to serve only the one percenters. Um, and, and a lot of people looked at our service and say, oh, this is an in-home service, so this is kind of a luxury service. But we essentially had created a pricing level that was designed to make it accessible to most households. Uh, and we did that intentionally, but that obviously then contributed to the margin pressure that we felt as a business. Yeah. And, and with that, with talking about, especially you mentioned early on about just in the very beginning, even just to talk to people and get feedback and walking around SF at those hours, take me through then, like, what was the customer acquisition strategy, especially early on when you, you launch this, you have this idea, you're getting feedback and you're getting, I'm assuming some, some good signs on that. And you get fundraising, which is another kind of validation as well. What did you then, then do to really get people on board and start getting customers as well? Uh, honestly, that what I mentioned before around us printing out a bunch of flyers, walking through dog parks in San Francisco, that essentially got us through our first 1000 customers. Awesome. Um, and, and essentially that combined with, uh, word of mouth, uh, was, was really powerful. And, uh, as we then continued to, um, as the product continued to evolve, we then incorporated telehealth in its very basic form that was only available to the to our paying customers. Um, and once you incorporate a digital product that um, kind of augments a, a physical service, it gives those customers an opportunity to start promoting it to other people that they know. Uh, so that really helped us in the earliest days. With that too, there's obviously this discussion of, of we, because clearly it's not just you building the business and, and the team side of things. So with that then, 
how did you grow the, the team along the way? I, I'm just curious on how you even think about that because it's a, such a challenge for people uh, in any company to, to build a team, to grow a team. How did you look at that then, Zubin? Yeah, uh, I mean, this is probably one of the things that uh, created the, the biggest learnings for me as um, as I look back on the four years of us um, kind of building Fuzzy is the great thing about uh, the business that we operate in is that it's mission driven. And so you are essentially building a business that resonates with a large audience of people and the people that it resonates with care deeply about the problem that you're trying to solve. So that that's great, right? So you have this kind of um, this kind of group of talent that essentially want to contribute to the um, to the outcome of the business. Um, the thing that if I look back on is important for for me to think about is and a learning for me is. While there are a lot of people that can really um, relate to your mission and what you're trying to build, it is important to understand what the key um, gaps are that you're trying to fill and then ensure that you match those. Um, So one of the earliest mistakes that we made, for instance, was kind of saying, well, we we bring folks into the business because um, they, they were passionate about the business. Um, but we then, uh, through their desire, as well as through gaps that we had, we then transitioned folks into different roles within the business that they may not have been necessarily a fit for. And that meant that they didn't feel as though they were being as contributory and successful. Um, and, and factually, um, the business didn't necessarily benefit as much as it could have. And so there were certainly some learnings as we went down that path. Um, but again, we were, we would then kind of realize that we had, um, our networks of people that we knew, my co-founder went to business school at Haas. So we had a significant group of folks uh, that were Bay Area um, MBA professionals um, that, that we could tap into, uh, as well as I had recently helped grow a, uh, a software startup, as I mentioned. So we had a group of folks from that that I'd worked with yeah. that, uh, that we could plug into the business too. And so um, it really was very much network driven. And I think that that is probably the best way for um, for any early stage group to be able to build their team. With that too, then, so that's your team. I mean, I don't know if you consider the the vets as like your team per se, but in that way, like, how are you getting then like the veterinarians on board, like the experts on board? Uh, how have you gone about that as well? Because obviously that's, that's a huge driver of the business as well. Uh, yeah, in, in the very earliest days, they definitely were part of our team. And so we actually didn't um, structure things similarly to um, the way a lot of marketplaces work. So we were actually a service-based marketplace where the people delivering the service were actually part of our team and employed on our payroll. Gotcha. And one of the key reasons behind that was uh, one thing that, again, was fascinating and kind of um, shocking for us to learn in the earliest days of Fuzzy was um, veterinarians have the highest suicide attempt rate of any profession in this country. Wow. It was fascinating for us. To, and, and we didn't, we didn't realize this. And there are a number of contributory factors there, but one of the key factors is, um, there's this kind of debt to income disparity, right? Uh, so veterinarians go to school for the same amount of time as human doctors. So they graduate with a fairly, uh, large size of student debt. Um, and their entry level salary, depending on where they are in the country can be as low as $40,000. And so kind of working to pay off that debt can become really burdensome. And, uh, and so our belief in the earliest days were we were looking to address that and create a place where folks got to work or got to earn a supplemental income and at the same time be able to have a positive dent on the industry and move the industry forward. 
as you look at you're getting feedback from customers and building this and you have your team built out and then you raise a series a uh, a lot of different things uh, going on and happening how do you look at growth for the company kind of moving forward as you've gotten to this point and with all the things you've already gotten through so far how do you look at growth now at this point yeah so um I, as I mentioned, a fair amount has changed in the way that we operate as a business. Yeah. Uh, so in the earliest days, we were once we decided that we were leaning in on in-home uh, veterinary care delivery, we we really doubled down on that. And essentially, after showing some really positive growth signs, um, and and the product is highly retentive, right? Um, and and you, you'll see this in the pet industry as a whole. Once people start um, becoming a customer of a company for their pet, especially their pet's health, they stick around. And that's seen as a kind of really um, positive growing engagement over time. So that was really exciting. What we then found is we raised our Series A, um, and that enabled us to think about expanding. And we expanded from San Francisco, we launched in New York. Um, and after being live in New York for nine months, there were a couple of things that we, we recognized that, um, uh, as I mentioned before, Fairly complex business, yeah. <laughs> um, highly margin sensitive, and a lot of complexity around how you're thinking about scaling the business. And so what that led us to uh, recognize was that, firstly, it was going to be incredibly capital intensive to, to scale that nationally. And secondly, um, that was going to take a lot of time, which would take us a lot more time to recognize the vision that we had of being every pet parent's uh, primary veterinarian. And so... We, we essentially at that point recognized that um, we needed to be able to provide an offering that could scale nationwide, could provide service uh, to every pet parent, and, um, and, and really create a better connection between veterinarians and their customers or, or patients at large. Uh, and so that's essentially what led to the current incarnation of, uh, of how we operate. And uh, like I said, we are, we're now generating revenue in 50 states. We serve pet parents nationwide. We're also serving pet parents in every veterinary care desert that a, that exists. So folks that are, let's say, um, more than 45 minutes away from a veterinary clinic, we call that a veterinary care desert. And so we're serving those, those people. Uh, I'll give you an example. Our yeah. uh, telehealth team has recently um, kind of guided a pet parent through figuring out how to ha help her cat. Um, give birth to a litter of, kit litter of kittens um, and, and at the same time also helped a dog parent that was on a holiday somewhere um, navigate through um, a toxic ingestion where her dog ate uh, a, a bottle full of aspirin, for instance, wow. um, and was an hour away from a veterinary clinic. And obviously that would have been um, that could have been fatal. So there are, um, we're, we're now able to really provide a level of care to every household out there that didn't exist before. And that opens a ton of doors around what we'll be able to do in the future. For you, Zubin, with this being you know, your first time founder and have done all this with the company, I mean, what has been, what has been the challenges of being, of being a first time founder uh, as you've gone about growing fuzzy over the last four, you know, four plus years here uh, for others who might be you know, thinking of starting a company or are also first time founders and uh, are going to go into their journey. I'm just curious on your, any perspective from, from you as well, from your journey last four or so years of being a first time founder. Yeah. I remember one, one of the things that, uh, well, well, two things, uh, two separate mentors mentioned to me very early on before I, um, 
as we were thinking about starting Fuzzy was, well, the first one was find a partner that complements you, that essentially is going to be able to kind of help navigate through challenging times. Um, and and I can't I can't overstate how important that is. Uh, Eric has been my co-founder since day one. We've we've been through thick and thin in this business, um, and. Uh, and there's been built starting a business and, and building a business from nothing is incredibly hard and it's yeah. super lonely and it's, uh, and it's going to be a real grind. Um, and so that's the second uh, piece of feedback and advice that I got is be very clear that it's something that you want and it's something that you are willing to do and put the hard work in. Um, and there are going to be times, I, I, I think a lot that there are moments where uh, I, I think every founder goes through tough days. Most founders go through tough weeks or tough periods, right? And there is a lot that can be said around kind of the mental health and mental well-being um, that is probably unsaid in the founder community or, or not, not spoken of um, often enough in the founder community, but um, focus on your mental well-being and something that's incredibly important. Um, but one of the things that I uh, I keep looking to or thinking of when I think about that is Ben Horowitz wrote something called uh, wrote something called the struggle, um, and the struggle is real. Uh, and there are going to be moments where you you feel like you're not good enough, or you're not doing a good enough job, or um, that you feel as though your team don't think that you're good doing a good enough job, or where you're kind of down on yourself and you're so tempted to funk out. But um, resilience is key. And the only way you have that is if you care deeply enough about the problem that you're trying to solve in the business that you're building. Um, and at the same time, you have that real desire to want to build something from the ground up and are willing to roll with the punches. To that point, Zubin, what has been helpful for you in terms of like the mental health side of things and just, just taking care of yourself? Like what for you the last number of years has, has been most helpful? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, Having a network or a community outside of um, of work is incredibly helpful, uh, and it really helps in your framing of you are not defined by the role or the company that you uh, or your company, um, because it, you kind of then can not not escape, but you you have something to kind of provide context to what it is that you're doing. So that community outside of work has been incredibly valuable and important to me. Um, secondly, uh, taking breaks uh, and figuring out what your work pattern is. Uh, I think that's something that um, a lot of founders uh, forget about at times. I realized after getting close to burnout after a couple of years of fuzzy that um, I needed to take a um, I needed to take some kind of mini break every six weeks. Uh, and even if it was just an extended weekend where it was a three-day weekend, for instance, um, it really gave me the opportunity to step back and recharge and then get re-energized for getting back in. But every, but, but even so, every six months, there needs to be longer than just a long weekend. Um, and then the other part is, uh, for those founders that do have families, uh, like know that the, it takes its toll on your family too. And so you essentially need them to be checked in for the ride with you. But that also means that you need to ensure that you're taking time to kind of contribute or, uh, or work 
on that family dynamic and your family relationships too. So those things are really, really key. And they certainly helped me. And that awareness and acknowledgement of those components have certainly been helpful. And then the other thing that, that I would say is meditate every day. It is, um, I cannot overstate how powerful that is. Um, and it's really difficult for folks that haven't done it or aren't used to it. It's a challenging process and you don't necessarily feel as though it's having that much impact. But the regularity, the routine, the process, um, and and the, the the focus of it all will really be helpful. You mentioned that every every six weeks or so, then every six months, there's different things you do. You were getting some burnout at some point during fuzzy. I mean, how did you come up with that rough? You know, okay, every six weeks, I'm realizing uh, this is what I need. Uh, and then, do you put that like in your calendar and literally mark it off? Like this is the weekend. Like I'm just like, want to dive a little bit deeper on that too. Uh, how did I realize it? Um, I don't think that there was any real formula for me. It was something that uh, I I realized I was getting to a point of um, kind of exhaustion. And there's a point where you are pushing, where, where if you continue to push harder, the actual outcome and the productivity actually doesn't match up with that. And it actually starts dipping. And so as you start understanding your body, your mechanisms, your routines, et cetera, you start to get an understanding of kind of your flow and your rhythm. Um, and for me, it was understanding that. Uh, and it was understanding my flow and my rhythm, how I could put myself in a position to be able to be contributory, be productive, um, and be effective. And that's essentially how I, um, how I created the rhythm that uh, I did and the parameters that I had mentioned to you before. How do I set that time? Yeah. I don't necessarily stick it in my calendar. Um, it's something that I'm very conscious of in the back of my mind. Um, and it will be something that I hold myself to account to. Um, and this is part of my meditation routine, part of my uh, wellness routine um, as well, where I will force myself to get back into the positive routines. And by the way, everyone slips, right? Everyone oh, of falls off. I, I recall when we, were, um, when we were going through some tough kind of fundraising moments, uh, for instance, uh, and fundraising is all consuming. And so as, as it is all consuming, it's easy to kind of get into this uh, mode where you say, yeah, there are all of these other things that I need to address. I need to work out. I need to meditate. I need to, um, I need to go and see the doctor. I need to see the dentist or I need to do these routine things. I need to do life. And, um, and you then end up putting life off because you're like, well, I'll do all of those things once I get this done. And actually what I realized was that, um, by putting off the life things, those were the things that actually made sure that I was set up to do the critical thing that I was actually um, waiting to complete. And so it's easy to fall off. Um, but again, kind of holding yourself to account and actually having a group of other people that hopefully hold you to account too has been, um, could, could be really helpful. One of the things I do is I have a, um, I have a group of friends, for instance, where we'll send a quarterly review to each other. Um, and this is similar to a business quarterly review, but we'll send a quarterly review on our life and um, kind of wins, losses, things that we're struggling with, challenging points. Um, and then the other thing we would we, we do, and this was great pre-COVID, is we sit down and we kind of put a bottle of whiskey down on the table uh, and we just talk through those reviews and talk through the things that that, that were challenging and things that we, that we learned. Um, and it really helps because those people then end up holding you to account and uh, and helping you hold yourself to account too. 
I love that. I think that's a great idea. That's something I'm gonna definitely write that down and save that one because uh, I, I like having that type of like check in review. I know I've done it before, at least from like a yearly perspective with with my best friend Zach, who's been on the episode, uh, been on the Discord podcast a number of times now. And one thing I'm just thinking of, I can't like just keeps in my head still from what you said earlier. Going through the nine months of, of fundraising as a first time founder, you it was obviously so difficult. Was there any point where you were thinking of stopping or like what kept you going through that period yeah um i think i mentioned it uh before uh there is something that ben horowitz wrote which is called the struggle uh and you can search it uh just type in ben horowitz the struggle um and i think that every founder has gone through this and if you read it um you'll you'll recognize um immediately what i'm referring to and the reality is every founder feels that at some point and every founder um, kind of questions whether they're doing the right thing, whether they're good enough to do what it is that they're doing. Uh, and so absolutely, I went through periods where I felt beaten up. You, you speak to 100 plus investors and you get more than 90 no's and you're going to feel beaten up. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the good thing for me, uh, and I remember uh, Eric and I spoke about this in the earliest days. In the earliest stages of a business, um, you're, you're kind of building something from nothing. And like you do have wins, but you're more likely to have a number, uh, kind of a number of things that, are, that feel like gut punches. And so for us in the earliest days, it felt like the highs were never really that high and the lows were gut-wrenchingly low. And so that, that's really challenging to navigate through. But I think that points to what I mentioned before around having a great partner that um that that that's there because interestingly for Eric and myself we almost kind of um we count we we contradicted each other so there were days where I felt down and 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 low and felt like how are we actually going to overcome this hurdle and he was just bullish as hell <laughs> and there were days where he was feeling like oh you know what this is really difficult and I feel like what I'm doing or what we're doing and it's all really challenging. And those were the days that I felt most bullish. And I don't know, kind of, maybe that was just serendipitous or maybe we just kind of felt like we needed to be that person for the other partner at that point in time. But that's guided us through some of the most challenging moments of, um, of us building a company. And Zubin, you mentioned Ben Horowitz a number of times here. And that, I mean, that's one example of, I mean, he has such, such great books out there as well. Uh, if people were interested, and I think someone else just mentioned that in like a previous episode, but are there any particular uh, books, whether it be personal or professional that have been most impactful for you? Yeah, I think you, you mentioned Ben Horowitz, the hard thing about hard things. I, I yeah. thought was really impactful. Um, there is another book about um, love, like building products with love. Uh, I can't recall who the author is, but I can certainly let you know sure. uh, after the podcast. And, and that was incredibly impactful for me uh, because it's all about kind of building products that you, uh, that you love, that your customers will love, and essentially building a relationship with your customers that's all based on this foundation of love. Uh, and I think that's really, really powerful and also kind of really resonated with me because um, like the, the fact is that pets are things that we all love. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was really easy for us to relate to. Um, Outside of outside of that, there's a um, there's a book, book by Anthony DeMello called um, Awareness, and um, and I I read that a long time ago. I recently read it again, um, and it really it, it's a it's a really easy read, but it kind of speaks to self awareness, awareness of your um, of who you are, your communication with others, your impact of the the way that you communicate and its impact on others, um, and that was certainly helpful for me too. 
Zubin, with your experience the last you know four plus years here and thinking about the entrepreneurs who listen to the show or even aspiring entrepreneurs who listen to the show, I just want to know, is there anything else uh, you'd like to share with them, whether it be advice or just a, a takeaway from your journey so far up until this point? Yeah. You know what? As I've mentioned a few times, um, starting a business is hard. Building a business from scratch is is hard too. It's really easy when you're kind of when you feel like you're up against uh, the world to to lose sight of this, but it's also a ton of fun, and and you learn so much about yourself, about other people, about um, about what it is that you're passionate about, um, and you get to make a positive dent on the world, whether it be the people that you're working with, whether it be um, the investors that you're working with, whether it be the customers that you're serving, it's a really rewarding journey. It is really tough, um, but it's important sometimes to just take a step back and kind of laugh and enjoy the um, the moment as you're going through it too, because it's really rewarding and it really does um, give you the enjoyment and the impetus and the inspiration and the motivation to keep moving forward. So um, that, that, that's the one thing that I'll, I'll say. And, and Zubin, where can people go to learn more about Fuzzy and then also connect with you as well? Yeah, sure. So uh, yourfuzzy.com is our website. Uh, you can learn more about us, about our mission, about what we're uh, trying to tackle and how it is that we're going about that. Um, we also have an app. Uh, go to Fuzzy Pet Health in, in the uh, Google Play or the, uh, the Apple App Store. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at ZoobsB. Um, and obviously our company and I am on LinkedIn. Um, I am very consciously trying to spend time and uh, help founders of color right now. I'm spending a lot of time um, uh, mentoring, advising, uh, and hopefully investing yeah. in founders of color. I believe now is the perfect time to do that and, uh, and really invest uh, and, and, and actually invest, right? Like uh, whether that be hiring folks whether that be investing in folks, uh, make the hire, send the wire is kind of one of my my favorite um, <laughs> sayings from from this year so far. So uh, any founders of color, feel free to reach out, um, and I'm more than happy to to try and help and or or make connections as much as possible. One thing I will say that was really surprising and kind of heartwarming for me, it, it's amazing what you get when you ask in yeah. Silicon Valley. Everyone is willing to help, um, and so. Uh, don't don't hold back. There are a number of folks that I have asked for help, asked for advice, asked for connections with, um, and there's generally the sense of people wanting to pay it forward because everyone that has been able to be successful or has had a journey in Silicon Valley has had someone else year that has helped them down that path. And actually, that that isn't exclusive to Silicon Valley. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's something that applies um, applies globally in the startup ecosystem. Um, but that's certainly something that I want to continue to pay forward. So if there is any way that I can help or support, I'd, I'd be happy to try and figure out if I can connect the dots. Really appreciate that. And even you know, from the 150-ish uh, interviews at this point, having done almost 160 actually by the time this goes out, um, entrepreneurs all over the world, it's to your point, they're, they're everywhere. They're, you need, everyone needs help. Everyone needs help to build these companies. You can't build a company alone. Uh, and I really appreciate the fact that you're you know, willing to help people in that regard as well, especially just given your your experience. And I'm sure the network you've grown over the last number of years and just being in Silicon Valley and uh, a lot to offer in terms of value. And, and to your point, yeah, you'll never know unless you ask. And I know from my experience with, with the show, with Just Go Grind, I mean, so many people have been willing to 
to give their time to to volunteer their time to make connections to make intros and i've been lucky enough then to be able to repay that uh for instance i've connected a number of people to investors and and there's so many things like that where you're just trying to give back so uh, i just really appreciate that you're you're willing to do that and thank you zubian so much for taking the time to come on the show today thanks for having me enjoyed the conversation as always justin so uh look forward to to following the show and uh listening to some of the other awesome guests that you have absolutely thank you so much Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you justgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.